he have that chip on his shoulder that similar to the way that Rocky had from growing up in such an unorthodox way, training in when these guys had these high-tech facilities and everything, that just old-fashioned ways, you know? Well, I know he's always said he had to play with a chip on his shoulder. But coming mm -hmm. from where he came from, I mean, it's just small. You, if, you really have to see it to believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I'm very proud of him for coming up there, making the adjustment, and doing so well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hi, Lisa. This is Faith talking to you. I'm so glad you were able to come on, and we're so excited and so proud of your son and all the accomplishments he's had for Michigan State. So... <laughs> But I wanted to ask a question. Um, what were your feelings and emotions when your son got to offer, got the offer to play for Michigan State? At first, I was kind of scared because it was so far away. And with him growing up in a small town, I didn't know if he would adjust to it or not. But, you know, we prayed about it, talked with my family, and I feel like he made the best choice. And he has done really well with it. Of course. And did you ever come visit Michigan State before he um, said he was going to come here? Well, we came up in January for the recruiting trip. We did we did his visit there, and it was actually snow on the ground. But I <laughs> called my mom and told her if they offer him, I believe he's going to accept because he fell in love with the campus and mm -hmm. with Coach D and the coaches. He said they made him feel right at home. Oh, I love that. I love hearing that. And just seeing your son grow up, I mean, explain the emotions when your son receives the most prestigious honor as the best defensive back in the nation when he wins the Jim Thorpe Award. Overwhelming. <laughs> I was jumping and screaming and clapping and crying all at the same time. <laughs> I think I was more happy for him than he was. <laughs> well, of course, because you're his mother, of course. <laughs> and, I mean, just... Like, you know, Harry was saying, just growing up in such a small town and seeing him grow up, what do you think are your son's most important personal habits that helped him win this award and have so much success here at Michigan State? Was it his discipline, his focus, passion, hard work ethic? I think it was most of all him being humble and having a praying family him with himself praying. And he's always been very, very quiet and, you know, can adjust to anything. So... With him being humble and focused and very, very disciplined, I think all of that played a part in it. Wonderful. A, a huge aspect of a lot of college uh, athletes' careers is the education side. A lot of mothers can't say their son's played ball, plays ball, or is going to play ball in the NFL. A lot of mothers can't say their son got a college degree. You can say both. How does that make you feel as a mother? Great. Great, because one thing he promised my mom before he left, going to school, he told her that he was going to get his degree. Mm -hmm. He's on track to get his degree, so that is awesome. It really is. It's awesome. Yeah, that's, that sounds really really awesome to always have that backup plan just in case the NFL doesn't work out, but I'm sure it will for him. I'm sure it will. <laughs> and uh, Darkheads has played in such a great era, the great four years of MSU football. We've had so many D'Antonio trick plays. I'm sure you love those. What moment of the past four years of Darkheads' career was your favorite? Hmm, I'm trying. Let me see. <laughs> it's difficult. There's so many. Yeah, it, it really is. I don't know if it. Oh, ooh. I don't know if it was. I think it was maybe sophomore, junior year with the not junior sophomore year with the interception of Ohio State, 
Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we beat Ohio yeah. State. We kept them. We kept them yeah, low scoring we, yeah. that game. We beat you, right? We beat them that year. And then this year, I think with the interception from um, at the Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was great. <laughs> but so far, I think I mean I really enjoyed all of them. But my highlight was his play that he did in the um, championship Big Ten championship game against Ohio State. The uh, awesome. The, the, uh, the end zone. In the end zone is what. Yeah, that that yeah. play right in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I love that no fly zone sign he's giving. That's awesome. He's doing his thing out there. Yeah, and everybody down here in Georgia is talking about the no fly zone. <laughs> oh yeah, I bet, I bet. <laughs> yeah, is everybody talking about in your hometown? Is everybody talking about his success and everything? Yes, everybody's talking about it. Everybody is happy that. He's being successful. They really are. Oh, wonderful to hear. And I know Harry touched on it a little bit. Um, I know there's been some talk about the NFL draft for your son. Um, was playing college ball and even professional always a dream for him? Well, I think back, well, basketball was his first love. Really? I'm, yeah, that oh. was his first love. But once he started playing football and he got, you know, he, as time grew, he got better at it. So I think he kind of left basketball and just stayed with football. And I think it's working out for him really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing great out there. <laughs> so uh, we're running out of time here for this segment, but thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on the show. Are you, uh, are you headed out to Pasadena at the end of the month? I am. I am. <laughs> nice. Great luck. Safe travels, and hopefully we get that Michigan State W out there. Okay. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Lisa, you've okay. raised a fine man and how proud you must be as well as we are. So thank you again so much for coming on and sharing your time with us. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so that was awesome. She was, I mean, like Absolutely just all incredible. the mothers and family members of great athletes and <sighs> great te- and, uh, great coaches, so grateful, so just down to earth, it seems like. And I know you were saying before, you know, Denard, he was only a two-start recruit going mm-hmm. into his senior year. You know, he entered his final regular season game without a single scholarship. Mm-hmm. And to have Michigan State come out there and see him and want him, which was incredible. And then, of course, he gets offers from uh, Tulsa, Troy, Utah State, South Carolina. And then he tips towards MSU and He's impacted Michigan State, the Spartans, so much, like you said, over the four, the four past years. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think it's awesome to have these guys. I love these guys over the five stars and the blue chips. I love getting those two stars that pan out. I know Kirk Cousins was a three-star. B.J. Cunningham, the all-time leading receiver at MSU, was a three-star. So D'Antonio does a good job where he doesn't have the recruiting tools of a state-of-the-art facility and all the money that the boosters can pile on the program like an Ohio State or U of M does, but he does such a great job of Finding these hidden gems, I mean, Dry Branch, Georgia, probably has a population of less than 10,000, I'm guessing. That's that's great that they found him, and they actually found him when he was, they went to visit a recruit that had committed recently for them, and he was playing defense on them. Keith Mumphrey, who had a touchdown in the Big Ten Championship game, so I'm sure Quest has a lot to <laughs> thank Mumphrey for that, for coming and visiting and playing his team. Exactly. Yep, and so we're going to take a break here, but it's great to, great to see all the success that Michigan State has had, and... Go State. We'll talk about Pistons basketball when we get back. You're listening to Impact Exposure. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids, and they were doing nothing, when suddenly... That's a personal foul, an active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping, and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to The Pact here on 89FM. Remember, you can call in at 432-3893. So now we're going to talk about the Detroit Pistons. We haven't talked about them all year long. Let them get so, into their season exact, a little bit before we start exactly. talking about them. <laughs> we do have to give them their shine. They're working hard over there in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So uh, just going to go over some off-season transitions that we've had. Transactions, sorry, that we've had. We traded pretty much de facto one-on-one, one-for-one trade for Brandon Knight for... Brandon Jennings, Brandon for Brandon. <laughs> and also we signed Josh Smith, four years, $54 million. Those are the two acquisitions we got in the offseason. And we've kind of seen how these things have started to work out. Right now we're currently fifth in the East, 11-14 and 14 record, but we hold fifth place because the East is terrible this year. <laughs> Indiana and Miami are the two teams, the only two teams in, the, in that conference with a winning record. Did you say $54 million? $54 million for four years. Man, what would you do with that money? I would buy a lot of gumballs. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Obviously, we're, we're getting a lot of help from the East. I think we're a mediocre team, if not below mediocre. We are very entertaining because of the Jennings. Jennings and Josh Smith trades. Those guys are very, very volatile on the court. And we actually have our panelist who is... Not with us in person, but he's on the phone with us right now. Austin Goodman, what's up, Austin? Hey, guys, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Good to be back. I feel like I was missing a, a part of myself when he wasn't here. But so we're talking the Pistons right now. What are your thoughts so far on the season? How do we look? You know, I just have to say, first things first, happy holidays to everybody. Absolutely. Um, I'm calling in right now uh, on my way to the Detroit Lions game against the Baltimore Ravens. Nice. It's going to be an epic Monday Night Football matchup. <laughs> but I, of course, had to call my Packers and get a little bit of time to talk about the Pistons. Absolutely. Thanks for calling, Austin. Yeah, absolutely, guys. <laughs> so here's what's up with the Pistons right now, guys. They're currently an 11-14 record team. Going into a game tonight against an Indiana Pacers team, we're 20-3. It's a little bit of, I'd say, a David and Goliath kind of situation. <laughs> yes if you just looked at the records. Now, although the Pistons started off the season poorly, they pulled it together as of late with the help of Rodney Stuckey and Andre Drummond. 
you guys have to keep in mind that Andre Drummond right now is trying to become one of the best centers in the NBA, and he is doing it. Drummond leads the league in offensive rebounds in front of many NBA All-Stars, including Kevin Love and Tyson Chandler. He's averaging 13.5 points a game while also averaging five offensive rebounds a game and 7.7 defensive rebounds a game. This guy is making a statement right now to become one of the best centers in the NBA. It is not a joke. He is pushing his team with youthful leadership, something that the Detroit Pistons have not had in a long time. Now, also, Drummond is one of the first, is the first player in over 25 seasons to play in a game and get over 30 points, over 19 rebounds, and over six steals against the 76ers a couple days ago when he led his team to 115 to 100 victory. He had 31 points, 19 rebounds, and six steals in 33 minutes on the court. The last person to do that was Hakeem Alijuan. Now, Rodney Stuckey is another guy who is also playing great. Prior to last night's game against Portland, he was leading the league in points off the bench with 15.8 points, and he's now moving into a starting role spot. You guys have to understand that these two players working together are starting to create some of the best chemistry that the Detroit Pistons have seen since the 2004 championship team. When they had chemistry, they played stellar. On top of those two players, the Pistons have Brandon Jennings, who's averaging 17 points a game, and Greg Monroe with 15 points a game, and Josh Smith, who also has 14.4 points a game average on the season. Now, I would say the only problem to the Detroit Pistons' current playing is the fact that, yes, Josh Smith is putting up a lot of points. He's youthful, he's smart, he has talent. The only problem that I see is that when Josh Smith, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond are all on the floor, the Pistons are 33.7% from the three-point range as a team when Josh Smith is on the bench. Now, when Josh Smith is on the floor... He has, the, the average for three-point range is 26.7%. That is a massive drop. That's a problem. Yeah. Josh Smith needs to start growing up a little bit. I think he needs to listen to Coach Cheeks a little bit more and get a little bit fundamentally sound for this player to collaborate with the rest of the players around him. The team is 31.4% from deep. While most teams are looking for a stretch four, we don't even have a stretch three right all right, their shooting is second worst in the league while they're taking thir- the 13th most three-point attempts in the league. Those two things don't add up. So basically what I'm saying to you guys and to the rest of the world that's listening to the pack <laughs> right now and that believes in the Detroit Pistons, I think the key to a successful remainder of the season is relying more on Rodney Stuckey, Greg Monroe, and Andre Drummond to shoot the ball, control the floor, and let Josh Smith develop a little bit more under the leadership of Coach Cheeks, the coaching staff, and the players that he has around him in people like Chauncey Billups, 
You know, we brought in these players to show the youngsters what it is like to win a championship. Quite frankly, I think that Detroit Pistons team could really bring it this year. They had a little bit of a slow start, but they're actually thriving right now. They're going into tonight's game against the Indiana Pacers with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after losing to a fadeaway jump shot against the Portland Trailblazers. That was pretty upsetting. You know, it was a great shot I, 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 <laughs> to the to the Portland Trailblazers. Rodney Stuckey couldn't have defended the ball any better. You know, I, I really think that this Detroit Pistons team could actually be playing up to a caliber that we saw in the early 2000s. And see, I agree with you on a lot of those. You're touching on a lot of those really key players, like, like you were saying, I think the bench has actually been helping out a lot for the Pistons, and they're on the uprise of what I see. And I'm, like, looking at Contavious Codwell-Pope. I'm starting to notice his defense, and, of course, I think his offense is definitely improving as well. But he's on the uprise, and like you said, you got Andre Drummond and Greg Monroe. And looking back at the you know Brooklyn Nets game, they both had 22 points and double-doubles, and they won that game. I mean, they're both they're an incredible duo, and it's amazing seeing that. And like you said, you know, yesterday— yeah, no, Austin, you had you had a lot of great points about the Pistons. I think Andre Drummond is balling out on the court <laughs> and off the court. Shout out to his girlfriend Jeanette McCurdy from iCarly. She's about five one. He's almost seven foot. I don't dating? know how that made sense. Are they dating? Are they not? That's a question for another day. But I have a huge problem with this Pistons team. I think with this core, we did sign Jennings and Josh Smith to long-term contracts, we are not going anywhere in the NBA East. In the Eastern Conference, there are the Pacers and the, and the Heat who are not going anywhere for the next couple years. So we're going to be stuck at best at third place in the East only, not considering the West. We have Oklahoma City. I think what Dumar should have done instead of, we're never going to get these huge free agent contracts contract guys to sign like LeBron James, like Carmelo Anthony, I think his best bet was to bottom out. I know the, the Seattle Supersonics did it a couple years back when they got Kevin Durant as the second pick of the draft. I think we needed to do that. We got a great building block in Andre Drummond, who is just, I think, is the closest thing to Shaq that Detroit has seen <laughs> in a while. I mean, Ben Wallace was a great center, but he couldn't play offense. Drummond is looking like the full package. I just, I just don't think we're going to go anywhere with this. I think we're stuck in mediocrity for the next five, six, seven years. That's a lot of years. <laughs> you know, I, I really, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. As I said, there are a lot of great things going on right now. Greg Monroe is finally living up to his potential along with Rodney Stuckey and Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings, you know, with 17 points a game, that, those numbers don't lie, my friend. And we have Will Bynum and Kyle Singler, who are also playing pretty well. They got eight points. Will Bynum's got eight point three points per game, and Kyle Singler has eight points per game. You know, it's in the NBA. You need to put up points. You need to be, need to be strong on defense, and we do have that with Pope. And I think that was a phenomenal addition. Thank you for mentioning that, Faith. That guy has really come out and put a stand on defense. We are playing well. And you also have to keep in mind that this Andre Drummond guy, he's no joke against the Miami Heat. Last year when the Pistons played the Heat, he stole the ball from Dwayne Wade twice within 40 seconds. 40 seconds it's against incredible. an NBA superstar. That, these numbers, these players, you've got to give them a little bit of time. Everything takes development. I agree. The Detroit Lions went 0-16 in 2010, and now they're contesting for number one in the NFC North. 
That's what I'm saying, though. They have to bottom out and hit that 0-16 mark or just hit that high draft pick mark where you can get a guy like Calvin Johnson. You can get Indomitian Sue, these building blocks, because we're not going to – we don't have the big city. We don't have the lure that a Miami does for a LeBron James or a New York does for a Carmelo Anthony. And you mentioned Brandon Jennings is, is scoring 17 points per game, but he's also shooting only 39% and is averaging four turnovers. Jennings is going to get his points – but his problem is that he makes very, very bad decisions, poor shot selection, like you mentioned with Josh Smith, poor shot selection. So hopefully Cheeks can get those guys to be smarter on the court, but they've been in the league. Jennings is probably 24, 25. I know Josh Smith is 28. These guys have developed their habits. You're not going to change much with them. I know um, that Coach Cheeks, obviously, was talking to Jennings, and he was saying how he was, wanted to challenge him to really perform on defense because I think that's something that Jennings does lack. And I think that's something that over the course of the season, what I've seen is that they're getting beat by the pick and rolls. There's just different things on the, on the bottom that they need to work out on the defense. Absolutely guys. You know, I, I, I really do think that this, this year's Detroit Pistons team is going to surprise you. You have to keep in mind that the 2004 championship Pistons team was a team that really didn't have all of what Harry is talking about over there. You know, we had players like Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace and Chauncey Phillips, Richard Hamilton, who wore a mask for half of his career. You know, we had, we had Tayshaun Prince, who had one good season, and that's when they won the championship. You know, we, we're developing right now. Of course, you can't go from not being able to sell tickets for a Detroit Pistons game to being and to be a third in you know third in the Eastern Conference it's hard to push yourself to get to the next level I, I, the, coaching, the coaching staff and the players are all working very hard right now to get out of the slump that the previous players put them in I completely agree with that and I do love the 04 Pistons team but one thing about that team they were great I think they were a lot better than this team, but also the league was a bit down at that time. There is no doubt that the tail in the league around this this year is way better than it was back in 04. Kobe was it was after the Shaq trade. It was before Dwayne Wade and in in Shaq gelled in Miami. It was also it was the only really competition that they had were the Spurs who they beat in the finals, but that was still a big 3 and they hadn't really put everything together that year or they didn't that year. They did the year before and the year after. But still, the the league this this uh, this this year is great with Kevin Durant, Kevin Love, all these guys, LeBron James, <laughs> these all-time great players. I I just don't see it with Paul George emerging in the East as well. I just don't see us doing as well as that 0-4 team did. And honestly, I think there's a lot we need to work on. I mean, I think there's you know executing plays. We need to work on spacing in the court, taking time to take good shots. You know, not being too quick unless it's a layup or something, and just take your time to score. There's just a few things, and I think one of the biggest things is the finish, the fourth quarter finish, because mm-hmm. just lately I've been seeing the Pistons. We fall a little bit flat in the fourth. I mean, like we said yesterday. I mean, it was a great shot, um, but. I think that we're falling a little, a little bit apart in the fourth quarter. You know, it's true. That is a true fact. You bring up a very, very valid thing. The Pistons are notorious for blowing games late, and that is another, another struggle that they're having outside of taking poor shots mm-hmm. and having poor – having. I wouldn't say it's poor leadership. I would say that they need to refine it. 
like mm-hmm. we've been saying, they're a young team. Yeah. Hopefully they can pull it together. Hopefully within the next couple of years, not the next five to seven years, but the next you know, two to three years, we can be contesting for an NBA championship. We did beat the we did beat the Miami Heat. We mm-hmm. played them and we contested against them and then we beat them by ten points. We have a chance to beat an Indiana Pacers team tonight. Coming off of that loss to the Trailblazers, all we can do is sit and wait and see if all of the different components come together. Yep. Yep. I'm definitely excited for this Indiana game for nothing else than to see Drummond go against Hibbert. Two premier centers in the league. Drummond's the younger guy. Hibbert's more proven. He proved himself in the playoffs last year. So I just love seeing those guys go mano a mano, if nothing else. Hopefully Detroit pulls out the win. But I'm going to ask your prediction. How far do you see the Pistons going in the playoffs? Faith in Austin. I'm thinking second round. Okay. You know what? I would have to say the second round as well. I think this Pistons team can make it to a third round, potentially a championship in the next two to three years. But this year, they're a little young. They're making a couple of silly decisions. But you know what? at least the Detroit Pistons are making it to the playoffs again. That is true. That is true. I, I'm in the same boat. I'm losing in the second round, and we're running out of time in this segment. Thanks a lot, Austin. You do your thing at that Lions game. <laughs> Jealous Re- there. Restore the roar up there for us. We'll do our best to restore the roar, guys. Thank you very much. And all the, the listeners, make sure that you guys have a happy and safe holiday. Yes, sir. Have a good one. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. So, thanks a lot for Austin Goodman calling in. That was great to hear his point of view, though I disagree with it. But, (laughs) hey, Hey. we still respect it, right? We still respect it. All right, so parting thoughts on this segment. Detroit has some humble stars right now. Yes, they do. I do want to touch on one thing, though. Okay. And I know we were talking a little bit about Andre Drummond with this really short girlfriend or if that that even is happening. But one thing I was really impressed with was the selflessness almost of what he did on Sunday's game. It was the one-year anniversary of the Sandy Hook shooting that we all know about that was absolutely horrific. And on his shoes to honor the victims, he wrote all of their names. So he wrote 26 of the victims' names on his shoes, and he'll, he's going to donate his game jersey to that school. And I think that's really cool just to look at what he's doing. That's That's awesome. I mean, athletes of his stature, a lot of times they don't realize the platform that they're on. They don't use that platform to do good, and it really seems like he's trying to make somebody else's day better, especially the victims of Sandy Hook. Prayers go out to them, especially around the holiday time of year. Hopefully they've, they've had a good holidays. And, and also, Calvin Johnson. I was reading an article about him in the newspaper about how he trades jerseys as a sign of respect with the defensive backs that guard him or the wide receivers on the other team just to show respect. And I feel like respect in, in just being down to earth and being humble is something that's lost on a lot of today's athletes. That's awesome. So, leaving with that note, we're going to take a break here. You know this is The Pact on Impact 89FM. Call in at 432-3893. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. 
A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. What's up, East Lansing? We're back here on the Pact. And now we're talking Michigan State basketball. <laughs> they had a struggle struggle fest against Oakland University. They lost 67, I mean, they won 67-63. The women beat Oakland 80-62. We probably should be talking about them right now, but we're going <laughs> to give the men's team the time of day. Faith, what are your thoughts on the game? Oh, I watched that, and I was very not happy about it. MSU looked so mechanical on mm-hmm. offense, and I think a lot of that does have to do with Gary Harris not being there. But, like, half-court, Oakland is beating them to all those 50-50 balls. And that's something we saw in the previous game, you know, against UNC. And they just looked like they were standing at half-court, you know. And obviously, I do think, again, they're missing Gary Harris. You know, in the long run, it does help by developing other MSU players. Mm-hmm. But— Man, it was really disappointing just to see that. We only scrounged by by a few points. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's so tough watching Gary Harris because he's such a great player. Absolutely. He's recruited so highly, but he hasn't been healthy at State. It's bad. I just want to see him play 100%, (laughs) see what he can do on the court because I feel like I haven't seen the full Gary Harris. Here is Anthony Serafino, a.k.a. Fino. (laughs) I've been keeping the the host seat warm for him, and now he's calling in. Here he is. Anthony, hey, what's, what's up? On, guys? Hey, Fino. Not too bad. Oh, so upsetting. I mean, first of all, thanks for keeping the seat warm. Yeah, <laughs> trying to. How are you? I'm doing my best. Listen, I'm doing my best. Listen, this MSU game has me up a wall. They skate by four points, but, you know, they trail in the first half. And, you know, you mentioned it, guys. No Gary Harris, but still, you know, when healthy, this guy's the best player, without a doubt, you know, mm-hmm. for this club. 14, you know, number 14. This guy's a top recruit coming out of Indianapolis. I feel like without Gary Harris, they're almost lost to a certain extent. Yeah, they're definitely not the same team, but it's also been a recurring theme with these smaller schools. I do have to give respect to Oakland. Travis Bader, one of the greatest three-point shooting players in all of college basketball. He grew up around here in Okemos. I beat him in a pickup game once, (laughs) so got his number. But yeah, no, we struggled against Columbia. We struggled against Portland. These small teams, I feel like they're giving them fits, and that's not like a Tom Izzo team. And I think... it's a, sorry, if you know, it's a work in progress, and I think we either see two versions of MSU. We either see them as a good team, like we know that they can play, or we see a not, you know, not consistent, a barely win, scrounge by type team. The thing is for me, guys, with Michigan State is, you know, how many times have, you know, you heard that Michigan State either plays up or down to their competition, and it seems like it is so residual in a Tom Izzo team that it occurs over and over again. <laughs> you know, Harry, Harry mentioned it. Props to, you know, props to you. You know, Mundy was making everything with 24 points, looking very fluid. But even in this first <laughs> half, 
Adrian Payne was I, honestly the truth. He had 16 points in the first half. Yeah, him and, and Dawson. Yeah, and then he had four the rest of the game. I mean, you can't expect him to carry the load, but you know, without Adrian Payne's great play in the first half, where does Michigan State go? Yes, <laughs> he escaped by four, but for me, you don't have your best player in Gary Harris. You have to get other guys to step up. Yes, Appling did step up as well. Dawson with a sneaky double-double, but where was Denzel Valentine? Over yeah. seven, no points, yep. four dimes, four yeah. dishes. I mean, it's not going to cut it, and you're going to be a starting. Essentially, he's a small forward. He plays in that 4-3-4 four, four role. you got to put some points up if you're Denzel to make up for the loss of Gary. Yeah, I agree. And my problem with Denzel is he, he kind of has the vision in the game of a point guard, but he's stuck in a in a forward's body, which makes it tough for him. <laughs> so... Yeah. In, 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 for our program, we can't fall back on the excuse that Costello, Harris, and Kaminsky didn't play. Against North Carolina, their two best players didn't play, and they still beat us, and we're supposed to be a top-10 team in the nation. So if we want to be looked at like a top-tier team, top-tier program like these other teams, we should have these plug-and-play guys that we don't lose a step if we lose one of our good players. I agree, and this is what I was telling people out east, even in New Jersey New York area. Jersey. You know, everyone's talking about Syracuse, how well Syracuse plays. Their 2-3 zone is very, very step-up, and they play with a lot of attitude and force. The point is, Syracuse gets everyone to contribute. Not that Michigan State doesn't do it, but if you would sit back and tell me that Ohio State is a better team than Michigan State, I would have very hard to believe such a fact. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. With Ohio State, for instance, Aaron Kraft plays with absolute tenacity every day of the week when he's playing. The thing is, nothing against the Spartans, but when I look at Michigan State, is they need to get more consistently out of their bigs, and more importantly, they have to. Hey, look, they have to get more play from beyond the arc. And without Gary Harris, it feels like they're lost. Now you can't. Things are going to happen. Injuries are going to occur. But with the Big Ten season really on the horizon, yes, that's big. yeah. On the, I think the 17th, they're playing against a North Florida team that they're expected to humiliate. But then you play a Texas team at Texas. That's a very good team, coached by a Stu Barnes club. That is a very good coach and an even better team. No, no Cabongo this year. Yeah, He's still a very good team. And Michigan State's going to be on watch, and I have them on upset alert. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you there. And you mentioned the humiliation of North Florida. I don't know. I just don't know with this team. It's, it's, it's not a given that we win. And I think part of that comes with our identity. You talk about the uh, two-three zone that uh, Syracuse plays. Michigan State's identity is defense and rebounding. We have not had that this year. Our identity this year has been running the court, great guard play, but we haven't had those bigs banging down low. So hopefully we figure that out because if we don't, it's going to be a grueling Big Ten season because those teams will beat you up if you're not solid down low. And if we're sp- – go ahead, Fino. <laughs> no, I mean, if we're scrounging by, like, these teams like Oakland, Oakland has never beaten Michigan State ever. And so just for them to come so close, they were ahead half of the game. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, and Izzo's 19 years – you know, in his 19 years, uh, this is the first year where it's the lowest o- amount of turnovers, and it's been 11. That's, like, the lowest. Mm-hmm. And they had they turned over the ball not 17 times last game. I mean, yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. They're turning the ball over a lot, which is so uncharacteristic of the Michigan State. Look, if you watch the game, people aren't making proper cuts. There's no really pick-and-roll play. And that's the one thing for me that is kind of a – an identity that Michigan State has lost. Where's their pick and roll from their bigs? And I have not seen that. Yes, Adrian Payne has played very well, but beside Adrian Payne, I don't think Michigan State has a goal-scoring big in this lineup. 
I don't see it from Schilling, and I don't really see it from Ghana. Definitely don't see it from Ghana. (laughs) Definitely. And it's no disrespect to those guys. Those guys just aren't big players. Yeah. And so it's just it's just kind of shocking for me when you look at it. But look, Terry, you mentioned it. Where's the rebound? Faith says we're turning the ball over. And I agree with both of you. Where are both those you know attributes in this team? But how about this? Something uncharacteristic about Michigan State, they're leading the nation in assists per game. Yeah. And the twenty, I think it is, assists per game on average. That is very good. And in a Big Ten season, you're going to need to be able to dish the ball. The one thing that really strikes me odd is the Appling had only four assists against a very poor OU team. Now, given the fact that OU did play well, Monday was shooting the lights out with 24. But for me, I think Appling, despite his 21 points, he's really, really going to have to bring it up in the assist game and get more guys involved. Denzel does a good job in doing that, but as I mentioned before, Denzel scoring zero points, it just isn't going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. Can't have him too long on the court because he doesn't produce offensively. He can just dish to other people. He doesn't doesn't produce, and he's inconsistent. Over seven is just not acceptable. But for me, I think it was one, our own Aaron, uh, Aaron, our own Andrew Hayes. I was talking to him about the game, and he told me this. Fino, how about Brandon Dawson's sneaky double-double? And I'm like, you know what? Absolutely. Why is no one bringing, why is no one talking about Dawson? We've been on air, all three of us have been in studio. Even the whole pack included Lou behind the glass somewhere, and he's probably nodding his head because we've spoken about this. He is, this. he is. He told me Dawson's got to be the X Factor, and, you know, he played well, and he was a key part of his comeback. Yeah, yeah. And fun fact of the, the Oakland game is that Dawson and Payne were the only people to score in the first 14 minutes for MSU. That it's, it's, is terrible. And Dawson, it looks like he's reacting well to that benching that Tom Izzo gave him a couple weeks ago. So that's good. That's a good sign. But these other guys got to pick it up. We have to click on all cylinders. It's Big Ten season. This is go time. This is The chemistry has got to be figured out within the next couple weeks. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. The chemistry absolutely has to be figured out. For me, this is what they have. They have three games in front of them to really get it together before they open up their season against Penn State at Penn State at the Bryce Jordan Center. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Yes, they have this North Florida game, which I think is going to be a cupcake of a game. You say no, but you'll see they'll win by at least 15. Yeah, and then they play Texas. And for me, that's the game that needs to be it needs to have an asterisk because Texas, a Big 12 team, is a very good team coached by a Rick Barnes, a very good coach. So when I see it and I look at all of it, it you're going to have that game. And then the fall that you play a New Orleans, I think, Rocketeers team. I know, interesting name. <laughs> I love you it. have those three you have those three games, and then you open the Big Ten season, I believe it, at Penn State, at IU, and then you're home, and then you have the meat of the schedule. And before you know it, you're in January, and you're home to Ohio State, the number third, the number three team in the nation. Ken, is it realistic for a Michigan State team to beat Ohio State? That's a debate right now. Who's the best team in the Big Ten? Is. Yeah. I think a lot of it right now, too, is that we have to focus on the injuries and illnesses, and they're definitely taking a toll on us. I mean, like we said, when we get Harris back, hopefully things will start getting better with the flow. And until Izzo has, you know, gets this full core of healthy starters back, I mean, we're missing already two of five. We're less effective. And, you know, Costello, Harris, Kaminsky, hopefully when they come back, we can start being, you know, productive. Yep. This is the one thing that scares me, Faith. You mentioned production, especially from the bigs. What if your bigs get in foul trouble? And that's what I've seen at Michigan State. Not really a lot of discipline. And you kind of hinted at that. With the turnovers, where is the disciplined Tom Izzo team? Can a disciplined, un, rather undisciplined Tom Izzo team really cut in the middle of the Big Ten season and expect to win? Look at Michigan. Are they as bad or as good as people think? 
They gave Arizona the cap a big-time scare. And just a great Arizona team on the road come back and win. Michigan at the time, for instance, they were undefeated at home. Arizona goes in there and wins. The Big Ten is going to be very tenacious, and people are going to have to understand that. Now, you mentioned injuries. My argument is every team has injuries. Michigan State is mm-hmm. going to have the ability to overcome them. People hate this word, but I love this word. It's about adversity. It's such a highly contested conference and, more importantly, basketball season. Michigan State, everything that's on the line from this record of the seniors making the Final Four with the, you know, the number one ranking, with quality wins such early in the season, with the target on your back. When you're a great team, you're going to have a target on your back. And these North Floridas, these OUs, these teams that they just kind of scrape by and so-and-so, and so, these are the teams that are going to be coming for you. And that needs to be the message that is you know, really reiterated and kind of posterized in the locker room. Look, these are the teams that are going to come after you. Let's hope that Michigan State can really get it together because right now, I'm skeptical about the sparring, but I think they pull it together late as they always do. You can expect, for me, a 25-win season for Michigan State. I think so as well. I have to backtrack a little bit. You mentioned quality wins. I'm going to swerve on you a little bit. I'm going to say we haven't had a real quality win this year. That Kentucky win was great. Any win you can get over the devil, a.k.a. John Calipari, is phenomenal. (laughs) But right now they're not looking too good. They're number 19 in the polls. They seem like they're one of those young teams kind of up and down, have a good game, have a bad game. And every other win we've had has just been pretty good, pretty good. Here's my argument, Harry. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do a little bracketology, a little Joe Lenardi. Joe Lenardi, I like it. Let's hear it. Joe Lenardi. Here's the thing. There's quali- Obviously, there's quality wins, and then I would say there's key losses or quality losses. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say that the loss at UNC to UNC was quality. not too bad. Yeah, they not bad great. at all. Yep. That's a quality loss. And I know Michigan State fans around East Lansing, mid-Michigan area, 517, I'm hearing you. <laughs> the thing is, it's a, it's a quality loss. They're a great team who beat a Louisville team, has really nice in their schedule and really made an impact. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned no quality wins. Texas is an opportunity to pick up a quality win. Yes, I realize they're unranked, but that's a very good team coached by a very good coach. And they have playmakers. Now they're on the road, but can they win? I think they can, but you want to talk about a game that's going to be close. It's going to be that Texas game right before the new year, right going in before that break. That's a, And that's a win you can really hang your head on yep. and use that as a mainly as a trampoline with some momentum and the kind of springboard just forward. Yep. And that's and, what I'm looking for this Michigan State team. Yep, and a measuring stick as well because the, the two that we have, the North Carolina's been up and down. They lost to Belmont. They beat Louisville. They beat us. They lost to another poor team. Kentucky's been up and down as well. So Texas seems like they're a solid team. That would be a good measuring stick for us. But I'm going to go ahead and ask you, what's your key game of the season? What's the most important game of the season so you know if this Michigan State, game, Michigan State team is real or not? Faith, go first. Well, Fino's got to go for oh, it. Oh, Fino, go first. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Um, well, for me, I kind of mentioned it. It's that January 7th game against Ohio State. I know it's early in the season, but there's two games that I'm really looking at. It's that game, and then I'm looking at the upset. It's really against an Iowa team. Mm-hmm. A friend McCaffrey finally got his guys in an Iowa and they're really looking great. Marmel's a senior, and they've always get historically given Michigan State a little bit of a fight. Especially in Iowa City. Yep. Yourself, I'm going to look at that Ohio State game to really set the tempo. Oh. If Ohio State can come at the Breslin Center and maybe fall off, a couple turnovers, and Michigan State really turns the court backwards on them, I look for that to be a key measuring stick in their season. And then again, against Iowa, a team that's on the rise in the Big Ten, 
finally got their guy from Siena, Fran McCaffrey, mm-hmm. with his recruits, with Marmel playing great basketball. They were ranked, although they did fall to, I believe, uh, Iowa State, another great team. That's a team that's going to be ranked maybe in the, you know, around the 18, 19. They'll get back in that top 25 and they'll be making noise because that's just so typical of Michigan State playing teams like that. Because, look, Purdue is down. Iowa's kind of down, or Indiana's kind of down. Mm-hmm. So those are teams you can kind of really look for to really measure your, your strength at. Yep, yep. I completely agree, Fino, with you. Definitely Ohio State is a game to look forward to. And really? Iowa m- might give MSU a tussle. I believe that to be true. And I think U of M is up there in Wisconsin as well. Just those four, I could see Michigan State having a little bit of difficulty with, especially if MSU does not get their full team back. I, I completely agree. I was reading Sports Illustrated the other day, and it has Michigan and Michigan State possible Final Four. That's the cover. I think that would be super duper dope. I think that would be the coolest. But my game of the year is at Wisconsin, the Cole Center, Madison, Wisconsin. Bo Ryan. Oh, I cannot stand that guy. They slow the ball down way too much. So any win we can get at Wisconsin, especially. A low-scoring game probably. Oh, we'd be lucky to break 40 either team, which is is typical of Bo Ryan. I don't know how he enjoys what he does, but he does. And it's such a hostile environment, and historically we've had problems with Wisconsin in the past, and I think that's the team that's going to let me know that this Michigan State team is for real. I definitely agree. It's going to be a tough game without a doubt. Low scoring. The Cole Center is always a tough place to play. And Bo Ryan, man, good friends with Tom Izzo, but still, <laughs> it's going to be a measuring stick for the season. I agree. It's going to be contested. Big Ten is good, but, hey, you, you're in a tough conference. You're expected to perform. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and that's right. that's a thing that Izzo preaches anytime, anywhere. And I'm kind of I'm still hurt that UNC came in here and beat us at the Breslin Center. We talk about uncharacteristic of Tom Izzo teams. That's so uncharacteristic. It doesn't happen. What, what yeah, were, but let me ask you this, Harry. Are you surprised? It was kind of a something's got to give with the Roy Williams record, and then yeah. just us winning all the time at home. I kind of was surprised just because. I think that we are so much more talented than this UNC team that this was going to be the time that Tom Izzo beats him, but he's got some kind of voodoo hex or something on him. I don't know what's going on there. What did you think? Well, you know, the thing is for me is with that UNC, yeah, yeah, I agree, something's got to give. But for me, I knew in the fourth about, you know, starting six, seven minutes of the game, they couldn't guard McAdoo. And McAdoo is like our Dawson. If you look at Michigan State, he's that Dawson for them. Just like McAdoo is for UNC X Factor, swingman in the four, he's a three guy, swingman rebounds, gets open, they weren't defending him. Downtime was lost. Yeah. You, you know, you really know where to be found in that game. Yeah. And you know what? He did perform at it to a certain extent, but you, once you let that guy McAdoo lose, Michigan State is going to lose and UNC is going to prevail. And that's why they're talking about quality wins. They got three already. Yep. Yep. Well, Fino, thanks a lot for calling in. We're running out of time here, but happy yeah, no holidays. Problem. Do it big and joyzy. And uh, uh, enjoy the Rose Bowl. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, thank you, guys. I'll let you know the report. But, of course, Merry Christmas to both of you. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for I say hello. She's great. Maybe we'll sometime about some biscuits. But, <laughs> Harry, thanks for filling in. You guys are great. Thanks. Great work as usual. Thanks, guys. Yep. Thanks a lot, Fino. You got it. Take care. All right. Well, there's Fino. <laughs> so we got our healthy dose of the pack members today, even though we're not all in studio. It's great to hear everybody. And uh, we got two big games, two big Detroit games going on right now as we speak. The Detroit Lions are actually about to start up in a couple minutes, and I do not have the update for the Pacers-Pistons that Goodman and I were so looking forward to. (laughs) But go check those out. Support Detroit basketball. 
buy a ticket to the to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> I saw a bunch of people were taking out loans. Actually, what do you think about that, Faith? Taking think, out loans I think to buy that's tickets. Terrible. You're gonna have years. You're gonna have to pay that off. I mean, it is a great opportunity, but still. <laughs> yep. So we'll be back here same time next week, seven o'clock on Monday. Call in at 432-3893 here on Impact 89 FM.